About 7 million people have left Ukraine since the beginning of the Russia's full-scale war against Ukraine, according to the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees as at 1st June. Some 8 million people have become internally displaced persons. They have been forced to move to another region within the country, fleeing the war. There are specific destinies, pain, loss, and life behind each of these figures. From the very beginning of Russia's full-scale invasion, the team of the war, Stories from Ukraine project, has been documenting testimonies and experiences of people who live in Ukraine. We are translating their stories into more than 14 languages so that the human dimension of the war is seen and understood by people abroad. In recent months, we have been able to record more than 100 stories, those of people who experienced occupation, lost their loved ones and homes, survived and saved families, those who are staying in their occupied villages and towns, those coming back home after evacuating, those who have nowhere to return to, those who are protecting their countries and doing their jobs. We want to show the human face of this war. This is the story of two students, Valeria and Nadia, and we recorded it in Lviv, where they came after fleeing Kharkiv. We talked with them in a former photo studio, which now is the Center for Women with Children who are escaping from war. Jets were flying very low. We were constantly repeating, our home, please, stay untouched. If a rocket had hit it or landed on it, the house would have exploded, says Nadia from Kharkiv. Together with her friend Valeria, she rented a first-floor apartment in one of the blocks on Gagarina Avenue. When they heard explosions and jet sounds, the girls hid in the hallway every five minutes. Later, they moved to Nadia's godfather, who lived near a subway station. They could hide from the shelling there. I'm talking with Lera and Nadia in Lviv. They are scared and don't want to tell me their surnames. Lera and Nadia are students. Nadia was studying for a bachelor's degree in psychology, and Lera studied dressmaking. She had to pass her professional exam on February 24, when the war started. I didn't wear the white T-shirt I'd been looking for the whole evening before. I didn't get qualified. I got nothing, Valeria says. In the beginning, it was possible to buy food and bread. The supermarkets worked only for four or five hours a day. So there was a long line in front of the entrance an hour before the opening. The girls lived under shelling for a week. When a rocket had hit a neighbor's house, they decided to flee. They say now that they will keep together if they have lived through the horror together. On the eve of the leaving the city, the girls managed to buy cheese and fruit. In order to buy three loaves of bread, they stood in a quick for three hours. As they were leaving, Lera and Nadia took only warm clothes and blankets. Since it was impossible to reach their home, they left many of their favorite things behind. The girls reached the train station on foot. There was no public transit in Kharkiv, and the underground stations were repurposed as bomb shelters with people living there. Volunteers and subway workers delivered food, brought pencils and coloring books for children. There were also extension cords and phone chargers. 
A taxi ride cost one, two, even three thousand hryvnias, almost like a plane ticket. We barely had any time, because the curfew was to start at 3 p.m. We were acting very quickly and carefully. We knew the shelling could start any minute, and the walls could fall right on us. We were running, rushing, getting exhausted, our feet were killing us, our backpacks were hurting our backs, but we never stopped and reached our destination. That's why we think we are strong, Valeria says. Nadia's younger brother fled with them too. The girl remembers that there was a huge crowd at the train station. They were waiting for announcements and somehow managed to get on the train. In the train car for 60 passengers, there were about 250 people. Today, the girls live in a photo studio repurposed for receiving women and kids. Valeria's mother and her two younger siblings fled to Lviv the next day after Valeria did. Nadia's mom wants to leave Kharkiv too, although her father and elderly grandmother are staying in Kharkiv. The girls will rest for a couple of days and go to Ujhorod with their families. Valeria is afraid of sirens that hole in Lviv sometimes. She knows that this precaution warns and protects people. And it also means that there definitely will be shelling somewhere. The siren scares her. Nadia dreams of coming back to Kharkiv after the war. Lera only thinks about safety, where to buy food and how to stock up with water. I simply can't dream now, the girl confesses. When you imagine something in your head, but then see a completely different picture, it hurts a lot. We have food, water and a place to sleep. We are warm. We are surrounded by people, not dead bodies with smashed heads. And that's it. I can't ask for anything else. The Russian army is still regularly shelling residential neighborhoods in Kharkiv and deliberately destroying kindergartens, cultural centers, gas stations, transport depots, telecommunications, bedroom communities and historical sites of the city. The Russians occupying forces are bombing the Kharkiv region using artillery, mortars, tanks, MLRs, multiple launch rocket systems and cruise missiles. At the beginning of June, Kharkiv and the region continued to be shelled every day. On June 2nd, a Russian rocket destroyed a school and one person died. On June 8th at night, a Russian missile hit a supermarket. The following night, the Russians attacked the city from the sky. Three people died and five were wounded. In June, air raid sirens sounded 189 times.